Sims the freshman. Sims had to hustle it, and he's got it to give. He handles in. Oh, man, give. Touchdown. And now going for the end zone, and caught for the touchdown by Zay Flowers. Hokies come with pressure. Spins out of it. Now he's got to get rid of it. Has a receiver open to the end zone, and a touchdown. Into the boundary, Fitzpatrick juggled it, and it is intercepted. Divine Diablo comes away with the carol. And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. Jason, another week in the books. Man, this season is going by fast, but how are you doing? Man, lovely as always. You're right. Want to put the brakes on the season. Had a blast so far. I do want to say, did the numbers 119 and 115 mean anything to you? Am I missing something? That is the score of the fantasy matchup that you and I participated in this weekend, and I came out on top. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I held that one in my holster. <laughs> I didn't tell you at all. But so, yes, I might strut that ass a little bit. We'll see. But just a fantastic game. And, and let's just – we can get into our helmet stickers because this is going to lead in perfectly as to why I even had a remote chance at winning this game. But let's go with helmet stickers first. Yeah. Well, before we get to helmet stickers, I'll give you my first helmet sticker first. I also want to congratulate you because you are – you have – cemented your lead a little bit in the betting contest so it is 25 to 23 total you've won this week eight to seven both of us it's kind of weird we did okay not great on our acc picks we did very well on our non-acc picks so penn state kansas state you got them right i got cincy oklahoma state and umass right and then we both got Fresno State as our double-digit dog. We got two-point bonuses on that. We both got our locks wrong, but it happened, I guess. 25-23 is the score. But, yeah, let's get to our helmet stickers. And my first helmet sticker is going to go to the UNC offensive line. UNC winning 59-39. to Offense obviously looking extremely, extremely good. Sam Howell finally looking back to – his form, he did not look that way against Virginia Tech, but finally we see the UNC offense we expected. But I want to give credit to the offensive line especially more than the, the weapons. And that is because we saw before the game that I think two or three starting UNC offensive linemen would be out, and they absolutely dominated in the trenches, allowed Sam Howell to have time, work through his progressions, allowed Ty Chandler, Caleb Hood, to have big holes and they created on their own as well. So big props to the UNC offensive line. Yeah. Hard to argue with that helmet sticker. And, you know, I, I know I was just busting your chops about fantasy. I have Ty Chandler on my team. And the reason he ragged up those yards is, you know, exactly due to that offensive line play. My first helmet sticker goes to, well, the other guy that helped me win fantasy this week, Brennan Armstrong. Just a Herculean effort for UVA in a losing effort. You know, 554 yards to the air, four touchdowns. It's, it's unconscionable to think that he put up those type of numbers and UNC still won the game going away. We can maybe get into that a little bit more later. But 
really just, I mean, he's been great this year and this, this game was no different. He led the who's, uh, you know, on a late first half drive to take the lead right before halftime. So I thought, you know, we both picked, I think UVA to, to cover. I was thinking they might win outright at that point. And then, Man, North Carolina just took over. And it was the first time in, what, 11 meetings, if you combine football and basketball, maybe 12 meetings, that UNC beat UVA, which leads us to our factoid of the day. Factoid of the day. UNC scored 59 against Virginia last night. Over the past five seasons, UNC men's basketball has only averaged 54.8 versus the Hoos. So as you just mentioned, they played each other a lot and the, the Tar Heel basketball squad can't score more than the football team. Just a, a really a, a wild game, an entertaining game. And maybe, you know, obviously if you're a Virginia fan, it, it probably soured after halftime. But just as if you love offense, man, this was this was your game. The UVA defense just I saw jokes that Tony Bennett should maybe give some pointers to the UVA staff on their defense because obviously you don't want to be giving up more points in football than you're giving up in basketball, I guess, at this time of the year. I guess from another perspective, once it becomes the winter, that's a good thing. But, yeah, the D, I'm at a loss of words, really, for how bad that UVA defense was. Now, I, I need more time to assess as far as the entire year is concerned whether they're going to give up a lot of points every game in the ACC. I'm not sure because they had, they did shut down a pretty bad Illinois team. So they played very well against a bad offense. They played very poorly against a very good offense. I don't know what to make of it. Wake has a very similar offensive attack to UNC and it's short rest and a lot of injuries. So that's not good signs for UVA, but we'll get into that on Wednesday with our uh, preview, but yeah. I think UVA is something special with Armstrong. It's on Tavion Wicks, very good wide receiver, but UNC offense just too much. Um, glad to see Josh Downs. You were very spot on that prediction that he may lead the ACC in receiving yards. And good to see uh, Shoffrey Brown as well making an explosive play. Besides that, it was really just the Josh Downs show as far as the passing game, but Props to UNC. Things are looking right for them, and that is rare to say for an ACC team. Yeah, you know, I, I, I bet if, if I'm a Tar Heel fan, man, am I kicking myself over that first loss to Virginia Tech to open the year because the way things are – they were, I think, what, what were they, 10th in that game? The way things would have been unfolding in one of them – you're talking about a top five probably this week if UNC is 3-0 and and they, they beat Virginia Tech. So, oh, man, that, that one's probably going to come back to sting if, if you're a, a Tar Heel fan. Well, you play the if game all day, and, I you know, I enjoy the if game a little bit. So, let's we'll get into that in a second, but just one last factoid. Brennan Armstrong throws for 554 yards last night. His team loses by 20 points. I did a little bit of a uh, search on sportsreference.com. Other teams in the last decade that lost by 20 with 554 passing yards since 2010. Washington State 2017, Washington State 2014, Washington State 2013. So it was a pattern. (laughs) (laughs) 
it was the Mike Leach football effect, I guess, that now gone yeah. into Charlottesville. But throw it to your arm, falls off. <laughs> My next helmet sticker, though, is going to go to Marshawn Ford and the Louisville offense for taking down UCF. Scott Satterfield on the hot seat. It seemed if he would lose that game, and he proves that he could win in a big situation. So that is huge for the Louisville program. Marshawn Ford had uh, 100 yards on eight catches and a touchdown as well. Malik Cunningham, the man, the life of the offense. I might consider him the most underappreciated quarterback at this point, but great job by Ford to step up as a receiver. They really needed people around Cunningham to step up and Ford has basically progressed slowly from a fullback to an, a pretty good tight end throughout his career at Louisville. So that's good to see. And defense making a big play. It was just wild. First Cunningham, after a great game, throws an interception late, giving UCF great field position to kick the game-winning field goal. But Dylan Gabriel throws a pick six. The next – was it what is it, the next play? The yeah. next play, yep. The next play, wow. So crazy ending, but a rare W for the ACC. Yeah, you know, you and I both love Louisville plus seven. I thought they had a great shot. I even said it, you know, when they're at uh, those, there's a, every year I feel like there's one game at the pizza box where the cards come out and kind of shock the world. And Cunningham was playing great, started cramping up, and you could immediately, like to your point, you could immediately tell that the offense was starting kind of to implode. And they, you know, he had the deflected pass that they, they got intercepted. And then Gabriel has a, those are pick six. Just, uh, I saw the, the probability. It was, it was amazing. The probabilities of uh, each team winning. When Louisville had the ball right before Cunningham's interception, they had a 60% chance of winning the game. Immediately after the interception, UCF had a, 89% chance to win the game. And then immediately after that, um, UCF only had a 13% chance to win the game. So in, in three successive plays, they went from 40% to 89% to 11 or I can't remember 13 or 11. So just, it was college football at its best and, and it was just a, a great game. So that's off to the cards and you're right. Satterfield probably coaching for his life there. So Great win for him and great win for the Cards fans. For me, my second helmet sticker, uh, this, this is going to be a little, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to break protocol a little bit. I'm going to give it to the entire team of Boston College. Now, let me just go through the, the Boston College, you know, I think, I don't know if we both picked Temple, but um, Boston College wins 28 to three. They go to, on the road to Temple and went 28 to three, just an insane game. It, it was like a masterclass in ledger domain because let me just read some of these stats. Total yards, BC had 221, Temple had 245, okay? BC had 34 passing yards, 34, that's it. Um, they were both, you know, BC two for eight on third down, Temple three for 14, you know, penalties were about, uh, I mean, Temple had a, a few more penalties. Boston College had one turnover. Temple had none. They, uh, Temple had more, you know, time of possession, more total yards, the same amount of first downs. 
How did you lose by 25? How did Boston College, it's the biggest magic act I've ever seen, just to, like a totally mediocre game and, you know, no turnovers, nothing that sticks out, but yet the game going away, just a helmet sticker for Coach Halfley and the whole team. I don't know how you did it. It, it was amazing. It does concern me a little bit, though. The fact I know they. Oh, it's, it's, it should be very concerning if you're a BC fan. And, and you know, back to my original point, man, you know, I talk about uh, UNC fans probably regretting that first game that, you know, the Virginia Tech, Tech game. BC fans really got to be, you know, shaking their head at Dracovic going down because Clemson looks vulnerable. The, the you know, Atlantic's wide open. Could Boston College have really made a run? You know, a, a top 15, top 10, some miraculous college football playoff berth. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to happen, especially Grossell. You know, it's five for 13 for 34 yards and, and, and an uh, interception. So really, you know, it, it's such a step down from Dracovic. So, I mean, you're right. It is concerning, but you, you can't like blame them too much because they're, they're number one guys, you know. Not, not behind the center anymore, but just hats off to him for winning this game that way. I, I don't know how he did it. I, at least we've seen Grossell play a little bit better. It's not like we're going to get that five for 13 for 34 yards every game. I've seen him throw for, what, he threw for like 450 yards against UVA last year. I think he also had three or four interceptions, but he can move the ball downfield. He's competent. He didn't show it this game, but I still think they have a decent shot at Missouri. I, don't, I haven't seen the line yet. Clemson, given their offense, anybody could compete. And then, like, I still think that they could reach what we thought their win total would be this year. Mm. And But that's only because the ACC is just so much worse. The teams around them are so much worse than I thought. I think that's really the yeah. reason more than anything. But, yeah, that sucks because they would be able to be maybe an Atlanta contender, perhaps, with Dracovic. I don't know. But, yeah, it does sting yeah. for sure. But uh, where do you want to go to next? We have some bad non-conference losses. We had uh, Clemson, Georgia. Let's go there. Clemson, Georgia Tech, before we get to the bad non-conference losses. Clemson, Georgia Tech. That game, first off, there was a delay for, what, like two hours after? It was a long time. I kept, because, yeah. you know, Georgia Tech was driving, and I was kept waiting for, because I was trying to keep an eye on some of the other scores. Uh, and I was like, what, what's going on? And then I saw a delay, delay, delay. And I was like, must be some bad weather. And then I, you know, I checked it out and it was, but I did wonder, I said, is that, I wonder if that'll affect either team more than the other, you know, I thought maybe it would affect Georgia tech more maybe, but I don't know, maybe, maybe it was a wash, but really, you know, if you like offense for the UNC UVA game, <laughs> You would want to hide your eyes for this one. No, for sure. It. I mean, oh, I've complained about Clemson enough, though. I'm going to talk about Georgia Tech a little bit because I'll just put it out there. Clemson's offense, very concerning, very vanilla because DJU has just not done anything near what we thought he would do. And it sucks for receivers like Justin Ross who are trying to showcase themselves but are just not getting good balls. But then again, he's not creating all the separation in the world either. Offensive line has been bad. But I want to talk about Georgia Tech a little bit. It's going to be painful if they lost the game. 
And I, I honestly think that if Jeff Collins managed the game a little bit better, it was possible that they win this game or at least send it into overtime. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Georgia Tech had third and 10 at the Clemson 45-yard line in the first half. What do they do? They do a simple run play, and then they punt. At the Clemson 45 is where they had the third and 10. They should have acted as if it was four-down territory, because frankly, it should have been. It was. And they plan to use two plays to get the first down. Maybe you don't throw it past the sticks on third and 10 against a very high-powered Clemson defense, but you get seven, eight yards and set up a very manageable fourth down. That could have allowed Georgia Tech to compete that drive, to complete that drive and score, in which case they would have been able to attempt a game-winning field goal on that final drive because they had uh, seven more points. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, that, that's a great example. And what I always think of is I think a coach is coaching scared or coaching to keep the margin of, of you know, loss short, you know, smaller, you know, I, I get, you know, put some confidence in your team. You know, I, I think about guys, you know, coaches like Steve Spurrier, and there's been times where he's taking, you know, whether it be a Florida team or a South Carolina team, that maybe they were undermanned and he's just gone all out, you know, going for it on fourth down, trick plays, just not playing scared. That right there tells me, and it, as a coach, it tells your team, well, I don't, I don't trust you guys. I don't think you can pick up a, a, a crucial first down. I'm just going to play it safe and, and do a, a real, you know, squeamish punt when I'm in enemy territory. You're going to Clemson. You're four touchdown underdogs. What do you have to lose? You've, you've already been – you already had a terrible loss this year. Just go all out. You know, I mean, okay, you lose by four touchdowns. Well, that's what everyone thought you were going to lose anyway. It's You know, unless you're betting on the game, which I hope <laughs> he's not. Um, you you got to play to win the game. I know it's a cliche. I know we, uh, the Herm Edwards favorite, you know, famous clip. But that's how you – go on the road and, and beat a top 10 team. That would have been a, you know, program altering win. Oh. Regardless of Clemson's offense is anemic and Uyunglele is underperforming. Regardless, that would have been a win you could hang your hat on. You could tell recruits, hey, look at what we're building. Come be a part of this, you know, and, and really, but it wasn't. It, it was a, you know, a Frady cat way to play the game. And then at the end, you had to kind of come up with a, a miracle goal line play to just to have a shot at tying it versus you were already ahead. You know, I think it's okay for Jeff Collins to be betting on the game. He just has to take the money line, not the 28 point underdog. Uh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's run that by the NCAA. And see what they say. But you're actually right. If he, if he only bet on Georgia Tech and he only bet on the money line, then sure. <laughs> but, no, in all seriousness, I, this is, I think, overall a good thing for Georgia Tech, just the overall way that the game happened. It's the exact game Jeff Collins really needed for his coaching momentum because he lost to Northern Illinois. It's year three now. We thought maybe he just doesn't have it. But 
Now he competes with Clemson. And obviously there's going to be a lot of games like this on the rest of their schedule. They play Notre Dame, they play Georgia, they play UNC. Actually, the schedule looks a little bit easier than originally, but still. But it's the exact thing he needed. Showed the program had life. I need to see consistent results from him. I am not saying at all that Jeff Collins is the answer, but I, I think I'm ready to give him, given the recruiting, given the culture, given now that he's proven that he could compete with the top dogs, compete, not necessarily win. But I, mm-hmm. I think I'd give him another year. I think I give him a year four. Most coaches, I give three years, then it's hot seat talk if they're not doing anything. I think Georgia Tech gets an extra year just due to the drastic change in personnel, the way they had to basically revamp not only their entire skill positions, but their entire offensive line going from the triple option. So that's just what I'm thinking. I Look, it's very painful at Georgia, for Georgia Tech fans that they lost the game. But I think overall you have to look at the big picture and say this is great for Jeff Collins and the program. Yeah, I mean, I've gone on record I did, you know, in the past on one of our award-winning podcasts that Next year is Georgia Tech's year, and if they can take the appropriate strides this year, then that really can come to fruition. But we are going to need to see a little bit more consistent play, and and you know, I, I've wanted to see more of Jeff Sims this year, but obviously that just hasn't worked out so far. But so we'll see. I mean, maybe they can, you know, at least even though they didn't win, maybe they can take a step forward or so. Well, the next team I wanted to get to was non-conference bad losses and then we'll end it with I guess a a good win and then we'll talk about the other games that happened at the very end but there were three bad non-conference losses there's Virginia Tech losing to West Virginia there was Michigan State defeating Miami and then worst of all there was Pittsburgh losing to Western Michigan so let's get from let's go from not as bad to worst how about that okay Sure. Well, let's start with Virginia Tech, West Virginia, 27 to 21 Mountaineers coming on top. I feel like Virginia Tech, for the most part, played well enough to win that game, but they just didn't execute in big spots. I think it was three or four times where they had in the red zone, even goal to go situations, and they got zero points out of it. That's just the difference in the game, such as football. They lost by six. So. It just really stinks. Burmeister is what he is. He's a game manager, so shows some flash. But Burmeister is not going to be the reason you're going to win many games. The defense is going to be the reason you win games. And they held their own. They definitely did not contain the run well, which was very concerning. But I, I, it just, I think the most frustrating part of it was just the coaching staff did not allow the players who played well enough to win, and they just didn't put them in a situation to win. Yeah, I mean, I think about, you know, I've already mentioned, obviously, that that first win, you know, versus UNC kind of like a, a, a momentum, possibly momentum building win. And then I also joked around about maybe Virginia Tech fans didn't want that because they wanted Justin Fuente fired. Maybe this could be the linchpin where it starts to turn the other way. You know, like you said, they have plenty of opportunities. It's hard to pin it all on Braxton Burmeister because as you said he is what he is I would be curious if Hendon Hooker were still around I'd be curious to what this team would look like Quincy Patterson uh, too. but say what Quincy Patterson too he's oh he, yeah true. North Dakota State yeah true I mean 
Burmeister, he's got mobility, but he just isn't, he just can't make the plays. He is really a, the definition of a game manager. It's funny because West Virginia got out to a pretty big lead and they all but tried to give the game away. I mean, Deggy would just an absolute, maybe one of the worst screen pass, play, you know, passes I've ever seen. Just threw it directly to um, Virginia Tech DB and he got it down. And then they had the first and goal situation and they couldn't punch it in. The play calling was uninspired down there, it, you know, down in the goal line. Just no creativity, no imagination. West Virginia almost seemed like they knew what the play was going to be called. They called the right blitzes at the right time, and it just – it was bad. It was a, a game that you shouldn't have won because the way you played for the majority of the game, but you had opportunities to win it, and good teams take those opportunities and close the door, and Virginia Tech didn't. Jalen Holston, if I – I don't have an exact number for this, but I, I think he ran the ball probably six or seven times inside the, like, 20-yard line. He probably got less than one yard per carry. He, they just kept giving up the middle to Jalen Holston, who's not really even a power back. And right. it didn't work, but they do it again on second down. They do it again on third down. Do a bootleg or something. Use Burmeister's speed. Maybe an option play. I don't know, something. Yeah, I mean, Hokies coaches have gone on record to say that Burmeister is one of, if not the fastest person on the team. So run wildcat situation where Burmeister's in motion. I mean, you know, think you got to do something. You got to do something to, you know, the Mountaineers were giving you this game. You got to take it. And they didn't. I don't know if this it starts to come unraveled for Justin Fuente. It'll be you know, very interesting and something to keep a close eye on. And then uh, our second game of the bad non-conference losses, Miami losing to Michigan State 38-17. to 17. All I have to say about this is, first off, the defense and the tackling was not even the worst thing I, I've seen in the ACC this week, but pretty damn close to it. It was bad. And second off, I think my eight and four prediction, which I got a lot of heat for because I didn't predict Miami to do better. I think even <laughs> I was looking a little optimistic at this point. Yes. So before the season, I went on record saying, I think it comes completely unraveled for Miami. Unfortunately, you know, especially for hurricane fans, it looks like I might be right. Just an abysmal performance. When we, when we saw came out, you know, when this line came out, Michigan State plus six and a half, both you and I were salivating. We were saying that is a really inflated line. And it, you know, I can't possibly imagine any winning by, you know, more than a touchdown. And they weren't even close. You know, Kenneth Walker for uh, Michigan State for Sparty just really ran wild. Maybe he puts himself into – the dark horse Heisman, you know, talk right now, you know, we'll see as Sparty goes forward. Charleston Rambo for Miami did have a good game. I, I was, you know, excited to see that because, you know, Miami's kind of been missing those playmakers on the outside, but the defense was bad. The clip that went viral, you know, on, on Twitter uh, with the DB coming up and tackling the guy without the ball. It, it, I've never seen a weirder play. It just was, almost mind-blowingly bizarre on, on what he was thinking. It, it was really strange and a, a terrible performance. 
Manny Diaz probably getting the heat turned up on his uh, seat now as well. The running back situation is just, I mean, they have a lot of injuries and they can't really run the ball very well because of that. Cameron Harris is really just the guy now because they had some backups, uh, Don Chaney and um, another guy. But it's it, injuries in the running back room have made it just Cameron Harris. De'Ara King threw the ball 59 times. He's capable. He's a solid, he's a good quarterback, but he's not elite. And given that guys around D.R. King have not helped him, the defense hasn't helped him, the, everyone else around the offense not named Charleston Rambo has not helped him, Will Mallory has been a huge disappointment. D.R. King is not going, is not elite enough to single-handedly win you games. And we thought that might have been the case before the season. That's just not the case. So that's just how it's going for Miami. One and two, and next week, who do they got? They got Central Connecticut State, so I guess we'll call it two and two going into UVA on September 30th. All right. Yeah, I mean, Kane's, uh, I don't know, uh, outlook isn't good. I'm kind of not sure where you go from here, to be honest. I, I don't know if it's a coaching change. As you mentioned, Will Mallory had some just terrible drops. Maybe if he catches those for touchdowns, because he was wide open in the end zone. Maybe it turns the game around, or maybe they get some momentum. I, I don't know. Just Michigan State looking good for the for the Big Ten, but Miami just really mm, tough. And then speaking of not knowing where to go, how about the Pittsburgh Panthers? 41 to 44 to 41 loss to Western Michigan, a MAC team. Not looking good. And you know who is down bad, especially? They ask you how you are, and you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because they would never understand. Pat Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi losing to Western Michigan, obviously, then blaming the refs in his post-game press conference after a game that they shouldn't have even been in. They shouldn't have even put the refs in a situation to have to decide the game, even if that was the case. People are calling for his job because he seems to have hit a wall a long time ago. Every season, there's early hope only for the same exact thing to happen. That is Pittsburgh football. It, it's just, I mean, the fans, I, I feel their pain, especially with the Steelers losing this weekend and <laughs> injuries happening there. And then to go along with that, there was a recruit that was thinking between Pitt and I forgot another school out West and immediately after the game, he commits to the school out West instead of Pittsburgh. I've seen all I need to see. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Izzy Abanacanda and Philip O'Brien, the two prized freshmen posted nothing but a blank screen on their Instagram stories with a peace sign emoji. Philip O'Brien then hops on Instagram live with other freshmen joining, talking about, getting no chances, no playing time, how frustrated they are. So all in all, things are going pretty well for Pitt, aren't they? <laughs> well, you know, when we picked these games, Western Michigan was plus 15. You and I really liked that because, hey, they go on the road to Neyland, beat a, a SEC team in Tennessee. There's going to be a letdown. We thought they probably won't cover. I don't think either of us were thinking that they wouldn't win. And, you know, our boy, 34-year-old Kenny Pickett, throws for 382 and six touchdowns, and you lose? That's like, I don't even know what to say. 
I mean, so you you I think they gave up 34 to Tennessee, and then they come home and give up 44 to Western Michigan. Now we know they lost a lot in the NFL draft. We know they lost, but we, they kind of normally have those plug and play type guys, and they have a, a tough defensive line. Just wasn't evident in this game. Pickett led them in rushing. That's a bad sign too. Ten carries for 54 yards, but the, he had a long of 20. So really, none of those carries didn't do much. And I'm sure he was kind of just running for his life. Than that, only Vincent Davis ran the ball 11 times for 38 yards, so they just could do nothing on the ground. Really, a, a just when you think it can't get worse for the ACC, someone comes out and, and proves you wrong. Jordan Addison with a great, great game, and it was funny because you had him on your team too. So I thought there was, you know, when we were playing fantasy, you had uh, Sean Tucker and Jordan Addison. I just thought, geez, all, all these scoring and I, I didn't. It didn't even cross my mind that the Panthers weren't gonna to get it done, and they didn't. They did. You know, uh, Pickett had a few, uh, a couple fumbles. Um, that th- I think they had three fumbles all in all. I, he had an interception as well. Just terrible. Um, we thought maybe after last week's game, Pitt was going to be one of these kind of oh maybe a sneaky good maybe come up and and win the Coastal, and after a loss like this, you're back back to the drawing board, to be honest. Seems like the same story every year, but only this time. I can't even really blame the offense. I know they had a couple turnovers, but they put up 41 points. I think it was the defense. Despite what Pat Narduzzi says about the turnovers, the, he's got to admit that the defense is not working. The defensive line is fine. The defensive line is great, in fact. But this secondary is a huge, huge concern because Western Michigan is – advertises a run run pass team they run on first down they run on second down oh well we're in a third and long now we'll pass the ball well they did not run the ball well but their passing game Caleb Elby Elby their quarterback was throwing all over that and they had two receivers over 100 yards that's just I mean the, the secondary I know their pieces are supposed to be good but you have to admit that is a gigantic concern I think their secondary is quite awful, in fact. Yeah, think about the teams that they're going to play down the road. UVA, uh, UNC, none of those teams are going to, you know, um, take it easy on you in the passing game. So the Panthers and, and Coach Narduzzi really need to get this figured out in a hurry. Yeah, if, if UVA's defense shows any signs of improvement or UNC's defense for that matter, it's going to be a blowout again pit just due to the, the way their secondary looked but we'll, we'll get to those I think both of those matchups are later on this season so we'll get to those down the road but just a lot of the ATC teams are down bad I'll tell you that <laughs> well, what about one that's not one that we thought was going to be down bad Duke pulling out kind of a surprising win you know I know I think they were three-point dogs so it's not like a Pittsburgh situation where the line was 15 points, but you know, we, uh, and I had said it, I thought maybe David Cutcliffe coach Cutcliffe was going to maybe be on the way out and they've kind of on the back of Mateo Durant kind of turned things around. So Duke now two and one, we'll see how it goes from here. You know, their win total is only four and a half for the year. So maybe they would be where, you know, maybe I guess under normal circumstances, they beat Charlotte in the first game and then lose this one to Northwestern. So maybe they would have been two and one either way, but we thought they were just 
totally going off the tracks and they kind of resuscitated themselves a little bit. Gunnar Holberg looked okay, 314 and a touchdown. So I don't know, maybe the Blue Devils could pull out a, a you know a surprise victory here and there. Kansas will be the test next week for them, but <laughs> it's funny to say that <laughs> Kansas, a huge test for Duke. So excited for that. But yeah, I guess they're a step above rock bottom now. So good for Duke. Good win there. Mateo Duran is awesome. They're at bikini bottom. They're not at rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, oh, we, we haven't talked about this one yet. Wake Forest, Florida State, 35 to 14. So Wake, once again, pulling out an easy victory. I, don't... I was hoping, I was hoping we, you, you'd forget that one. But, yes, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Wake is – they really I have, have... No, I have no idea how I talk myself into Florida State picking it. Because here's, here's the funny thing. I th- I pro- I'll have to go back and check the tape. I think I said I'm going to go Florida State, but I'll feel stupid when they're down 30 to three in the third quarter, which I wasn't far off from that. But <laughs> the hilarious thing on Saturday when I gave out uh, the, our ATS picks on Twitter, I said I loved Wake Forest, <laughs> and friend of the program Griffin came to bust my chops. Said, "Hey, how's that pick looking?" And I. And I had already talked to you. I'd already DM'd you that. Did I pick Florida State? And you said yes. And I was like, what was I thinking? But, you know, State starts 0-3 for the first time in, in 1976. They were one of only two FBS programs along with Arizona to still be winless. And both those two teams lost to an FCS school. I don't know. I mean, we gave Mike Norvell, Coach Norvell, a mulligan for last year. But we, we're going to need to see some improvement. I know people – I mean, I, I, I've seen rumors of they want Will Muschamp. And, like, oh, my gosh, they're already bailing ship on Mike Norvell. I don't know. He's got to turn something around because they weren't even competitive in this game. Your boy Sam Hartman looked great. Christian Beal Smith. Wake Forest looks kind of pl- – is Wake Forest – is Wake Forest the best team in the Atlantic? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Obviously, their defense isn't going to be the same as Clemson, but their offense is better than Clemson's. I think that's safe to say right now. And who knows? Stranger things have happened. I, yeah, it's really hard to see some positive, any positive signs in the Florida State program, really at all. Every program, I like to look for something like Georgia Tech almost beat Clemson. Things are looking well for Jeff Collins. Duke, now they're, they just beat Northwestern. They're a step above rock bottom. I can't even say anything about Florida State. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, that first week, they almost pulled out the miracle. You know, it was like Mackenzie Milton riding in on a white stallion and to, to save the game, and they, he sends it to overtime, and they just lose to a top-10 Notre Dame team. Okay, they're moving in the right direction. And then the absolutely atrocious loss to Jacksonville State. And now it just wasn't even competitive versus Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because they still have some tough games on their schedule. I know uh, I know they play um, – they got Louisville up next, uh, looking at at UNC. Circling 10-23, I, I put out a tweet about this, circling 10-23 for UMass. So watch out, Minutemen. Florida State's going to be mad when they play you. But at Clemson, NC State, Miami, they, they finished at BC, at Florida. This could, I, I can't see 
any game, any one of those games where they'll be favored other than UMass. Maybe at home versus Syracuse. But Syracuse defense looks pretty stout. So, I, I mean, just be could they score enough on offense to win? I don't know. Thing, thing, you're, you're right. Things look very bleak in Tallahassee. As far as Wake Forest is concerned, I just don't know what to make of them yet. And I've seen positive signs. Like, they've taken care of business. They've been Old Dominion, Norfolk State, and Florida State. And they've taken care of business, no doubt, in every single one of those games. But I'm just excited to see them face a real task against UVA next week. That'll be a super fun game, almost as fun as UNC UVA. And probably because I'm looking ahead to next week, the slate looks pretty weak. So that is honestly one of the better games in the entire country, at least underrated games in the entire country. So, Yeah, that'll be a great game at UVA, you know, obviously licking their wounds after the UNC loss, but can put up a ton of points. Wake Forest riding high after starting 3-0. and They can put up a ton of points. It will be tough going to UVA. If they had that game at home, maybe I feel a little bit better. But, you know, Bronco Mendenhall and company are going to want to stop the bleeding. So definitely a good game next week. Besides that, we got uh, props to Syracuse putting up 62 points against Albany. So they finally, Schrader and DeVito, the two quarterbacks, not great, but at least they threw the ball uh, more than 10 yards downfield. Also props to NC State. Little bit of defensive concerns with Peyton Wilson now. I didn't see much of uh, their replacement, Jalen Scott. I didn't see either direction, him playing extremely well, him playing extremely not well. We'll see. Time will tell about that. But perhaps to NC State 45 to 7 over Furman. So we got those two FBS wins over FCS schools. And besides that, I mean, college football, it was a very good slate this week. Florida almost dethroning Alabama. So maybe mm. maybe Alabama obviously still the by far number one team in the country, but maybe that's only a product of the rest of college football talent pool being down and not really as much because Alabama is the same Alabama they are every year. And Georgia's kind of making a run on them. So I mean what do you think? Yeah, if you're if, if you're a fan for a fan of chaos. The Florida game was the absolute worst thing that could have happened because Alabama pulled it out and they played just poorly. They played just poorly enough to, you know, still win, but to allow Nick Saban to get their attention so that, you know, we can toss the headlines away and the padding on the backs. Now he has their attention. They almost went down to the swamp and lost. So it's probably bad news if you want total chaos. I don't know. I think maybe Georgia could clip them. Um, I will say this. I think in a couple of weeks, I don't know if it's if it's in Tuscaloosa or in Mississippi, but Ole Miss, that's going to be a hell of a game. That is going to be a great game. Uh, if it is in Mississippi, I could see the Rebs, you know, pulling that out. But other other than that, at the top, I mean, there's you're you know you're right. There is quite a drop off. Oregon playing well, uh, but now their win over Ohio State doesn't look as good as, you know, Ohio State kind of struggled this weekend against, uh, was it Tulsa? So it just, I don't know. It really could be a total chaotic, you know, Michigan winning, you know, is this the year they beat Ohio State? Is this the year Jim Harbaugh gets to the playoffs? Maybe. Can Clemson get there? They really haven't 
played well and they haven't looked great doing it. So I think, I think in a new poll, they dropped Penn state with a big win over Auburn, you know, can, can coach Franklin kind of live up to the expectations? They, they normally seem when they get into this position, they, they drop a game that they should have won. So we'll see if they can kind of get past that, but really total chaos. And I love every minute of it. Maybe Cincinnati can make this four-team playoff. Maybe it doesn't need a 12-team yeah. for them to make it. It's set Although up. Even, even them, even they struggled. They were struggling at Indiana. You ended up getting your, your pick right. And I and my ATS, you know, spreads that I let uh, release before Saturday's kickoffs, I said be careful with Cincinnati because mm-hmm. I thought that was a game that could be dicey. And they were down for most of that game. Granted, they won. That's all that matters if you bet on them. But, you know, even how about Fresno State? You know, we, we picked them as our double-digit dog. Then they go to UCLA and win outright. So they're only a loss at Oregon away from being undefeated. So yeah. we got a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of chaos, a lot of good games, a lot of intrigue. Really, uh, really uh, interesting year coming up. And undoubtedly, Alabama will still probably be the national champion. But it'll be a fun race for two, three, and four. <laughs> so, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We were at over the 45-minute mark, so well, I'll cut it there. But we covered uh, the whole ACC, a lot of negatives, a little bit of positives. Seems like that's been the case each of the first three weeks. we got our preview episode coming up on Wednesday and a special guest will be on that episode. You will not want to miss that one. So please circle in your calendar. We will do plenty of advertising on our Twitters as well. I'm Dan ACC content. Jason is at pipeline, but besides that subscribe to our podcast, keep interacting with us on social media. And with that being said, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the pipeline ACC podcast.